Uh, if you've been journeying with us over the last few weeks, um, we've been in a series called We Believe, looking at the foundational things that as a church we believe, and uh, looking through the Apostles' Creed and what we say in the vineyard is the main and the plain. Uh, but tonight we're hitting pause on that series, and over the next uh, couple of weeks, or two weeks over the next three, we're going to look at a mini-series called Invite Your World. And the heart behind this is that we as a church don't ever want to keep the good news of Jesus to ourselves. We don't want to become a cliquey religious club where new people aren't welcome. See, a year ago, we went multi-site for a reason. It was our mantra then, and it's our mantra now, for those yet to come. We as a church exist. Yes, there's a bit of an amen there. Not much of one. James, you can give a bit more gusto next time. For those yet to come. Yes, there we are. Uh, so we went multi-site for those yet to come. As a church, we exist for those outside of us. And that is always going to be true of us. We exist to introduce people to Jesus for the first time. And you know what? The main reason is that people don't ever get a chance to come through, come through the doors of a church and get a chance to meet Jesus is that no one invites them. I gave a talk uh, about this a, a couple of years ago and uh, shared there the story of a guy called Erwin McManus. He's a pastor of a church called Mosaic over in the States. And he shared this story that when he became a Christian in his early 20s, he hunted down all of the Christians he knew as a teenager and like drove up to their house, knocked on their door and was just like, why did you keep the good news of Jesus from me? That was a challenging talk to listen to. Then I was convicted then, I'm convicted now. Because we don't want to hold the good news of Jesus back because it's life-changing. We want to be a church full of people inviting others to meet him for the first time. So today what we're going to do to kind of kick off this mini-series is I'm going to interview Mark and Anna Crosby who just carry this culture of invitation beautifully. Uh, and then Alice in two weeks' time is going to preach a bit more of a message about it. Our key passage and one of the passages that Alice will be looking at is found in Luke 5. And Luke is one of the Gospels. If you're new to the Bible, there are four Gospels, uh, each of them detailing Jesus' life, ministry, death, and resurrection. And one of them, Luke, in chapter 5, has this passage where Jesus invites a tax collector to called Levi to come and follow him. So it says this in Luke 5, verse 27 to 31. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I love this passage because Levi is about as far away from God as possible, but Jesus invites him in. And then Levi follows Jesus, and then the first thing he does is he throws a massive party, and he invites his world. He invites fellow tax collectors, his friends, and he says, hey, why don't you come and meet my friend Jesus? I've just decided to follow him. I think he might be able to change your life. I'd love to introduce you to him. He throws this big party. And I want us as a church, and we want us as a church to be like Levi, that we would invite our world, whether it's our work colleagues, our neighbours, our family, maybe our housemates, our course mates, sports teams. Maybe it's just the person we see at the checkout of Audi each week. Would we invite them to come and meet Jesus? To come and meet the one who can satisfy the longings of their heart, the one who can give them rest, 
the one who can give them a purpose higher than any they ever thought they had. Our hope is that as a church and as a generation, we would build a culture of invitation that we would not keep this to ourselves. I don't know about you, but when I uh, see a great film or eat at a great restaurant, I like to tell my friends about it. And only about 50% of the time is it because I want to boast. But most of the time, it's because I don't want them to miss out on something good, you know? And it should be the same with us and Jesus. We should want the people around us, we should want our friends to experience the good of Jesus. Now look, I know, as kind of will naturally happen with any of our Sunday gatherings, there will be a range of people here. Some of you might be in church tonight because someone's invited you, and this is your first time. And welcome, if that is the case. And you might be thinking, oh man, is this just like a weird thing where everyone just has to invite people? But I think of it like this. How cool is it that your friend likes you enough that they wanted you to encounter the goodness of Jesus? They didn't want you to miss out on it. You should buy them a drink. (laughs) Some of you in the room might be exploring who Jesus is. And right now, you're not sure actually whether you think he is who he says he is or if he's even worth inviting other people to come and know him. That's totally fine. You are so welcome to come on this journey of exploring who he is. But what we would love for you to know from day one is that invitation is a part of the Christian life. That actually, as we follow him, he calls us to invite others. So if you're wondering whether you would want to follow him, you should know that invitation is part of that call. Now, there will also be those of us in the room who find the idea of invitation really difficult. Maybe we know Jesus and we love Jesus, but we just don't like the idea of inviting others to meet him. Maybe it's that we don't like the idea of bothering people, that we just feel like it would be a nuisance or that actually who are we to speak to them and invite them. Maybe actually deep down, we're not sure whether Jesus is really good news. Maybe we've grown up in the church and it's like, well, yeah, I believe it and it's cool, but is he really good news for other people? Is he really good for my friends? Maybe actually you do believe he's good, but you just don't think the invitation's important. You're like, well, hey, why, why can't they just find out themselves? And you know what? Wherever you are, wherever you land on that kind of spectrum, it's totally fine. And the intention tonight is to not make you feel guilty. We don't want to invite out of guilt. And the intention is not that we would feel like bad Christians as we leave the place this evening. The intention is that we would be inspired afresh to invite our friends, to realize again that Jesus calls us to invite others and to lay our lives down and answer that call. Maybe you are here, though, and you're like, love Jesus, love this idea of invitation, I'm all behind it. But actually, as you look back at the last few months, maybe even years of your life, you realize, actually, I haven't invited anyone. Like, I'm on board, yes, it's great, I can get behind it, but who was the last person I invited? Maybe today is like a little kick up the backside, maybe it's a reminder to say, what does it look like to go and invite? And you know what, there'll be those of us who do love invitation and do it regularly, and just would tonight spur us on if that's us. So, let me get to Mark and Anna. Now, many of you, as I said, might not know Mark and Anna, but Mark and Anna are just some of the best people I know. They really, really love Jesus. And they are going to become the site pastors of our West site when it launches in March. Anna has just come on uh, to give time during the week to begin prepping for that. And we are super excited about that. I'm going to let them introduce themselves in a moment. I just wanted to, um, just before I invite them up, and Mark will hate me for this, take a moment to celebrate him. So Mark is the Director of Communications for the National Vineyard Movement. So we're a vineyard church, part of the national vineyard um, denominational kind of movement of churches and he so he's a big dog he really knows what he's talking about and last week you guys might have seen it on social media he released his first book which is a pretty amazing achievement 
so everyone can hear communicating church in a digital age. And you know what? This is for church leaders and just everyday Christians who want to work out how we communicate our faith in this cultural moment that we find ourselves. You know what? This book it has been so well received, it is already sold out. I pre-ordered my copy back in July. And it had already sold out at that point. So I got an email from Amazon this, being week, this week being like, really sorry, you're not going to get your book. And I was like, what? It's a good thing I bought a book at the book launch. So I still have a copy. But we'd really encourage you guys to go, jump online to, to order it for the re-release when it comes out. Uh, and just wanted to honor Mark, because it is a massive thing, um, writing a book and going under that undertaking. But also, just wanted to pray for the book. So if you'd join me in praying. Jesus, we thank you for the wisdom that Mark has for the church. Not just the Vineyard Church, but the, the, the body of Christ as a whole. And we just pray, Lord, that this book would be the blessing that we know it can be, Lord. That it would equip us to learn how to communicate our faith in the cultural moment that we find ourselves, God. We just pray your favor upon it. Would you multiply its influence, Lord? And I know that Mark in his heart would only want you to get the glory for it, Jesus. So we just pray that this book would equip us to give you the glory. Amen. Amen. So, Mark and Anna, let's give them a big round of applause. I'd love to invite them up. Mark and Anna, we'd love for you guys just to introduce yourself because some of these guys might not know who you are. So you could just give a quick intro to who you are and maybe what brought you to Cardiff a few years ago. Yes, I'm Anna. Um, uh, I am a nurse and I work at the Marie Curie Hospice in Penarth. I've been working there for a few years. Uh, we're married and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and we have two children, uh, Bethany and Levi. Love the verse today. Um, and uh, yeah, we moved to Cardiff a few years ago, which is quite a long story. Um, but we really felt that God was calling us to move to Cardiff. Um, we didn't really know why, but now, this year, it's become apparent why. That's it in a nutshell. Want to add anything, Mark? Oh. No, <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> um, we, we've been part of the vineyard for uh, nearly 20 years. We love the vineyard, we love the whole church. Which is longer than some of these guys have been alive. Hey, guys. Hey. <laughs> 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 Way to make me feel old. Um, yeah, and uh, we've lived around the um, country in various places. We've been, uh, we went to university in Lancashire, um, went to Avignon Church there. We moved to Leicester. Um, we've moved here. And kind of each time it's because God has said, it's time to go there. It's time to do something else. And we go, okay. Yes, sir. So, um, yeah, that's us. That's amazing. And these guys are so obedient to the call of God. And they have a phenomenal story. Uh, so if you ever get the chance to ask them, I know they would love to share it. Just prophetic word and the call of God over their life to come here. So yeah, chat to them about that. But to dive in, we um, love the Bible in this church. And we would want you know, all of our people to be people rooted and established in the word of God. And could you just share kind of from your readings of scripture kind of throughout your life, what has captivated your guys' hearts for this idea of invitation? Yeah, I just think the um, invitation runs through the whole Bible. In the Old and the New Testament, it's for all of us to come into relationship with God. I think it's so beautifully represented in the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15, which James spoke about a few weeks ago. This story of a son that had gone off, done his own thing, realized how foolish he was, he was disgraced, and he was in the pits. 
um, but was welcomed home by his father with his arms opened wide. This is a picture for all of us when we initially come into relationship with God, but it's also when we do, when we go off, do our own thing, go and mess up. The invitation is always for us to run home, but also for us to be able to introduce others into the most spectacular loving relationship with Father God that just brings freedom and life. Catherine Scott, uh, a um, vineyard pastor in America, she writes that he is always writing the next part of the story, and the next part of the story is always an invitation to draw as close as we can to his heart. So how beautiful a thing it is for ourselves to be in this relationship with God, but also to see others to come into this relationship for themselves. Yeah, I think what um, we saw is as we've been working through this, we, um, we just see time and time again that Jesus says, come follow me. And then he says, and I will send you out to fish for people. And it's like he starts with this kind of invitation in so that he can send the church out. So... Like it's not just he wants to invite us in to hang out and to have this cozy little circle. It's like he wants us to come in because he wants more people to um, come in. It's not just an invitation in, it's an invitation forwards. Um, and so if you follow Jesus, you need to be prepared to be sent out, um, which is a wonderful thing because we're not trying to build our own personal kingdom here. We're trying to invite people into the kingdom of God. And whilst I've... Um, seen that most churches have the most amazing events, ways to kind of invite um, people in. There's essentially only one way that a person takes their first steps into a church community, which is by personal invitation. Because even those people who are self-motivated to find a church, they still need that personal invitation to be part of a church community, um, which I love. So in uh, the Gospel of Luke, we see both these groups of people. If you've got a Bible on your phone, or if you have happen to have like the real thing like <laughs> printed and bound in front of you uh, flick to uh, Luke uh, Luke 13 Luke 13 verse 10 and this is um, about a crippled woman who's healed on the Sabbath and st- so that's uh, Luke 13 10 I can actually hear some pages rustling it's a miracle thank well you Jesus well done guys well done <laughs> So, um, Bible says that, that on a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God, which is pretty cool, isn't it? Um, Luke 19, just flick forward. Um, a few pages or uh, swipes or whatever you have. Uh, Luke 19, 1 says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax, chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and he um, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. So he came down at once and welcomed him um, uh, gladly. You know, I love that. I love that the woman who was healed by Jesus had to be called forward. She had to be invited forwards into his presence. And then there was 
Zacchaeus, who was so so motivated, he knew his life was broken. He knew he needed Jesus. He'd heard about Jesus, and he wanted to see him. He went forward to see him, but he still needed that uh, that kind of personal invitation from Jesus to come down. It's like, come down from the tree and let's hang out. Um, so I think what we see is that Jesus is in the business of issuing invitations, and we get to join with him as he builds his church. I'm convinced. That's great. And so this isn't just a nice idea that you guys believe in. This is something that you have lived out, and you've really built an invitation culture in your guys' family. So we'd just love for you to share some stories uh, from the last few years of the way that you have done this as a family. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, the concept of inviting your world is fascinating, isn't it? Because our worlds and our spheres of friendship are not, or rather shouldn't be, static. And inviting our world means expanding our relational circles. In a family, we have a saying, there's always space for one more. It's not just around our dinner table or in our small group, but it's the space to hear stories from other people. There's always space for one more. But hearing other stories, we're involving ourselves in their lives. We're not just ticking a box of invitation. We're trying to listen as Jesus did. And Henry Nguyen says, listening is the highest form of hospitality, not to change people, but but by offering them space where change can take place. This is a place where people can meet Jesus and be transformed and changed by him. Pete Gregg says, biblical hospitality starts in the heart and not the Ikea catalogue. It is a really bad lifestyle choice. True hospitality allows for interruption, goes the second mile, and above all, is present to people. So we'd love to tell you just a few stories how we realize the importance of the community, about hospitality, invitation, and interruption. Um, We've got a bunch of stories um, which kind of happened over five or more more years. And there were times where there was lots going on and times where they were quiet. So just um, wanted to share that. So it really started when um, Jay Pathak, an American pastor, came over from America. And uh, (laughs) and he's written a book on neighboring. And um, it was about 10 years ago now. And um, he just shared a bit about how... uh, um, his heart had broken for his neighborhood. And while he was sharing that, and during the ministry time, I just felt God absolutely break my heart for my neighbors, for those people I didn't know yet, for those that I did, um, those people that literally, there was a wall between us. Um, and uh, it was really just God showed me his heart for them. And it was just broken. Um, and the start after that, there's just the start and the continuation of conversations with our neighbours. We'd only moved in to our house just a year before, but it was just a starting point where we were able to find out people's names to start off with. Then we got to know a bit about their story, what they loved, what they didn't love, and literally, we were just our heart was to love our neighbours. So yeah, so whilst we were um, hanging out with them, we were. Uh, chatting to them and just kind of saying, where do you guys hang out? Like, what is there to do around here? Um, How can you get to know people? And one guy said, well, there used to be a pub on this road, um, but then they turned it into houses, so we don't really have anywhere local that we can go to um, um, hang out. And I was like, oh, that, that is such a shame, because if there was a pub on this road, then that would be the place that we would go to to um, meet people to hang out. And so I went home, and I said to Anna, I was like, there used to be a pub on this road, but they turned it into houses. How cool would it be if we built a pub on this road so we could get to know our neighbours? 
Waking up that next morning, I realized that we lived in a tiny terrace house and we didn't have space for a pub. Uh, but what we did do is I had a friend who was a builder and we built a bar in the back garden. Um, it was nothing huge, nothing spectacular. It was just a place that we could put um, a fridge, a barbecue, um, and just host some parties. Like, it was a very cool space. Um, and then we had the bar. And we went, oh, let's start to throw some parties. Let's invite people around, because the bar was not the point. The bar is the gathering point for people. So uh, we started off and we um, threw some parties. There we go. Uh, we held a um, Wimbledon party for uh, when Murray was in the final, I don't know, it was six or seven years ago, and he won for the first time. We hosted a summer party with Bouncy Castle uh, many times, didn't we? Um, and then our neighbours went, this is really cool, but like it could be bigger, couldn't it? We were like, it could be bigger. <laughs> so we threw a street party and we invited the entire road and had a couple of hundred people. And we then did that twice. Um, but we didn't have a big house. What we had was this tiny end terrace house with a grassy back garden. But God expanded these spaces. He used these spaces. Um, I think one party, we had 150 people in our house. And it was normally just four people in there. So, like, it shouldn't have held that many people. And the tidy up was immense. Um, but it was amazing. We just wanted to, like, invite people. Every person that we met, we wanted to um, invite. And then one time... Uh, we were just kind of praying, and God said, this is great, but would you step out of your um, comfort zone? And we were like, uh-huh. <laughs> and he was like, these parties are great, but what would it look like if you could share your faith on a, like a bigger scale with your uh, neighbors? What would it look like to throw a carol service around your bar in your back garden? And what would it look like if you shared a gospel message halfway through? And I was like can't we just have more bouncy castles? <laughs> um, so we threw this carol service in my back garden. Um, we had a friend from church who led the carols. We had about 30 neighbors in the back garden with um, mulled wine and mince pies. Um, and I gave a three-minute uh, gospel message. I've probably never been more terrified in my entire life. Um, but it was amazing. And it was just part, part of us inviting people into the story that God's writing over their lives. It was a way that God could um, share the hope that he has for their lives through a, a gathering point that they were already used to. And so that was just one amazing thing. Yeah, another, t another time at one of the parties, uh, Mark was sat around um, late night with all the dads um, drinking beer and, and chatting. And it was suddenly they all just began to share stories about how they'd failed at life, things they'd done, uh, stuff they'd done as kids that, you know, theft and things like that, and marriages that had failed, mistakes they'd made. And Mark listened and chatted, but didn't really know what was going on. And as we were unpacking it later, I just, I said to Mark, they're confessing their sins. And as we've discipled our neighbors towards Jesus and invited them into environments, invited them to parties, invited them into our houses, this is where the Holy Spirit was present and moving. They become convicted by the Holy Spirit and so started to confess their sins. It was a journey of invitation into the kingdom. And because of this, the invitations to, to come to church became easier because of this, because we had relationship with people. We knew our neighbors. We knew they were now our friends. We invited them to our children's dedications, to carol services, and then invited them to Alpha launch parties and Alpha courses. 
Um, and they felt, by this time, they felt comfortable because they'd met our, some of our friends from church at these parties. They knew us, and they knew um, that they needed something. As we invite, we also begin to see how the Father is helping us disciple people towards Jesus. We're a centered set of movement of churches. We believe that everyone is welcome on a journey towards Jesus. We don't put up barriers or walls to becoming part of this community. When we have a community with no walls, the invitations in are made so much easier, as we know everyone will be made welcome. My friend at work who came to faith last year, I must have asked her about 10 times to come to small group, to come to church, to come to parties that we were throwing. And then it was at the all-in gathering that she made, had just the most beautiful power encounter with God. In between those times, I was chatting to her about Jesus, meeting her for coffee, and praying for her in the pub. The thing is that I knew that, that God was doing stuff in her life, and it had nothing to do with me. And my part was just to continue to show her Jesus, pray for her, and just keep inviting her in. So whilst we were, um, we were thinking about this and praying about this and just talking it through, we're like, well, that's fine, but... Um, you're probably, there might be many of you who are sat here and you might be at school or college or uh, university and you go, well, that's fine for you because you had a house, it was your house and so should we wait until we're married or, you know, we're like, that's not the goal. So we started, when we had a, a student house before we were dating, there were four of us from church and we would throw parties in our house all the time and just invite people and get those people to come and meet friends from church and pray for friends and share faith. Like that was where it all started before we were even boyfriend and girlfriend. And then um, one time um, when I was in my first term as a uh, fresher, so like I was 18 and um, that was a while ago, when I was 18 and... Um, I'd just been to a nightclub, woke up the uh, next morning. Most, most of my nights were spent out. And one day I was just like, why are we not doing this? Like, why are we not throwing these massive parties for, um, for students? How come that they get to go there, but the church doesn't have a presence there? And so I thrashed it around. And I really felt that God just pushed me in this and pushed me in this and pushed me. So... Um, we hired the Students' Union, um, and we hired it during Freshers' Week, because we were like, when, do, when, when would students most need a taste of God? It's when they've left home and they need a bit of Jesus. And so we hired it on the Wednesday of Freshers' Week, and it was the first, first commercial event, commercial event, <laughs> it didn't make any money, uh, the first commercial event that was run that year for um, Freshers, and we trained people on how to share their faith. We uh, trained people on how to pray for the sick, how to pray for people during a nightclub environment. We invited in a DJ who used to DJ at Cream in um, Liverpool. I've no idea if it's even a thing still, but it was huge then. Um, a guy from Chicago who was a Christian, they came and they DJed. We were handing out Bibles, we were praying for people. Um, we had about 500 people there. So like, if you're sat there going, but I'm just a student, I'm just here as a fresher. That's what we did when we were freshers. We just threw the biggest party that a church had ever thrown for students there in that city, and we hired the Students' Union. Like, it made a massive loss, but it was so much fun. So 
dream big. Dream about what can you do to invite your world. You take a note, Dan King. <laughs> that is, that's really cool. Um, as I said during the notices, we're launching an alpha course soon, and alpha is by no means the only way that we can uh, kind of introduce people to Jesus, but it is a great way. So do you guys have a story of when you've maybe invited someone to alpha that has had some fruit? Uh, yeah, we, there was one Alpha launch party. We invited several of our, um, our friends, some of our neighbors, uh, I think it was about four households, to one Alpha. And one of them was a couple who were expecting a baby. And then just before the Alpha launch party, they came round quite unexpectedly at short notice uh, to our house. And for some reason, in the end, the men were in one room and the women were in the other room. And, uh, and they just, um, in both rooms, we just chatted about faith completely separately for an entire evening. It was just a, a very strange but a beautifully profound evening. And then we invited them to the launch party and they, uh, and they came and they had, um, we had just a great time with them. But it was during the Alpha launch night that Mark was just chatting with a guy and just he prayed for him to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And off the back of that, uh, this prodigal invitation, our neighbor returned to his faith um, and went back to the Catholic Church and became a regular attendee there. We just then had the privilege of, being, uh, of going to their children's uh, dedications in the Catholic Church, all from just a night of, of, over whiskey and an invitation to an Alpha launch party. Uh, then they were also there when we uh, had the carol service in our back garden. That's really cool. So we'd just love to encourage you guys, think about who you could invite to the Alpha launch party, who you could invite to the Alpha course. They're a great environment. Uh, so there are tickets on sale right now. We won't do too much for plug, but go on the website. You can buy it. They get a free drink with the ticket as well. So we'd love to encourage you guys to do that. Now, hearing your guys' stories, you know, I'm really inspired. I'm sure we're inspired in the room. The reality is that we do find it often really difficult to invite. And so in your guys' experience, what would you say are some of the main obstacles that stop people inviting their world? Yeah, I think it is. Um, like it's, I think when you invite a person into church or a church event, it just feels hard, doesn't it? There's times where it's really easy and really natural, and then there's times where it feels like one of the most terrifying things you've ever done in your life. And that's just okay. Like, it's quite, it's quite a big deal. And so I was chatting to a friend of mine um, a few years ago on the phone, and he leads the um, Vineyard Church in Carlisle. And I just said to him, mate, this is really hard, isn't it? Just this kind of one-on-one -on -one thing. It's so hard. And he was like, but Mark, what? He said, have you read the bit in Luke where Jesus sends the um, uh, 72 out two by two? I was like... Oh, yeah. He was like, he sends them out two by two because life is easier when we do things in community. Um, it's easier when we have a person next to us. Um, like a, last year, the year before, I was in a bar with a friend of mine called Rob, and we were chatting to some um, people that we met there, and we were sharing faith, and then we prayed for them. Um, but it was easy because there were two of us. And so I think if you're like, oh, I want to invite a person, but I'm feeling slightly overwhelmed, why don't you take a friend? Why don't you do it as um, two people? Like, that's okay. That's a, good, that's a good way of doing it. I think also um, we can kind of, the tendency can be that we want to go from naught to 70, and it's okay to just build up speed, to kind of go, could we hang out 
with a coffee and would you like to come to my house and would you like to come to a carol service because that's okay because it's traditional it's like it's different to a church service because it's traditional and then like would you like to come to like an alpha launch party and then you're building up so um, I think building things up and I think you also need to know that when you when you bring people here, you can trust the people here that they will take care of your friends. There's kind of always this fear of like, oh, what happens if a person's weird? You know, this church is a great church. You can trust people to take care of your friends. Um, yeah. And I think also just knowing and telling people what they're being invited to is really helpful. And so, you know, we do have this amazing band that's playing at the launch party. We've got the wonderful uh, John Paul, who is a great friend. He loves Jesus so much, and what he has to share is just beautiful. So he's one of these people that when you hear his story, when you see how he talks about Jesus, you can't help but go, oh, this man must really know Jesus. So there's going to be some great stuff. So... Knowing what you're trying to invite people to, that's really helpful. Yeah, it's also possible that people also think that they don't have the capacity for one more friend, especially a friend on a journey. But I just want to say the world is desperate for true authenticity. Your friends are desperate for something true, truth in all its glory. So many people don't know what to believe in or who to believe in. In relationship with Jesus, we can share our life with all its complexities, the highs, the lows, and share how a loving God is with us in it all. So all you need to do is share your relationship with Jesus with a friend, exactly where you are, and just see, what, see God do all the rest. That's really helpful. So you've already touched on some of how we can overcome this stuff, but for those of us in the room who are like, yes, we want to do this, could you just share some top tips for how we could go about doing this you know, as soon as we leave this building in the next seven days? What would be your top tips for us? Um, just start small. <clears throat> you know, we've talked about all these big parties we threw, and, and it, was, it was great. But it started with the one conversation. The one here, the one there, another one here, another one there. It was, it was, it was slow. But it was just beautiful how God was in those conversations as we built up relationship. We were able to share our faith. Ask God where he, what he's doing. Maybe ask him now, just, God, where are you at work and how can I get involved? Um, so it may be that you, need, you know that you've got you know, a really lovely bunch of friends. Just think about how you could expand your circle right now so you could include one other. Uh, then ask God who to invite round. Who is that person? And God, how can I invite them round? Give me an opportunity, whether it's for a coffee or a meal. And then just ask questions. Listen to their story. When you ask someone, uh, whether it's to come over, for, go out for a coffee, uh, a meal, come to the Alpha launch party, ask people as if they're going to say yes. Uh, but then don't look gutted if they say no. It's okay. Um, but just think about how inviting them into the community with you, how you can merge your communities. Your, it might be your uni, friends, your church community, your neighbours, your family. Introduce friends with friends. That's so much easier. I was at a party last week, and one of my friends had the most amazing conversation with one of my other friends, the one, a conversation I really wanted to have, but she had it for me. And that's what's beautiful when you merge your communities to be inclusive. 
Yes, I think we would just um, um, finish with like five um, tips, which we've we found re really helpful. So number one is um, try try to expand your friendship circles. Like, what would it look like to just to just expand your circle? Number two is to know your story and practice it. So one Peter three says you have to be ready to tell your story, like your story of faith, your story of hope, why you go to church, why you love Jesus, like what is your story, know it and practice it and then just be ready. Number three is to pray and then just go, God, who can I invite, like who, where, where is it that you're working, who are you working on? Um, and number four, make the invitation, you know, just practice it, like would you like to come to the Alpha launch party, you know, just practice it. Um, and use the flyers. The flyers are really good. They're really helpful. It's, it's nice to be handed something. Like, people quite like it because it feels official. You know, like, yes, I've been invited. That's a great thing. And then five, just help to make it really easy for your friends. Um, you know, kind of, when they, you know, perhaps meet them uh, beforehand and then brief friends and go, like, I'm bringing this friend, when they walk in, would you chat to them as well? And that, you know, just, and then when you have other friends who are also bringing friends, make yourself available. You know, we are a church which is growing, which means people will walk through the doors, which means we need to be ready to talk to people that we don't um, know. And it's a wonderful thing. Um, we've just found that, you know, people are waiting to be invited into the kingdom of God. Like, it's what they were born for, it's what they were made for. And so the challenge this week is do one thing that would expand your circle. That's a cool thing. Expand your circle. And through doing that, we can be really active in partnering with God in what he's already doing. And that's how, that's one way that we work on restoring the city and renewing the nation, which is the business that we're in. That's so good. That is so good. Um, guys, let's give a round of applause to thank Mark and Anna for this evening. We've been really blessed by you guys. We are going to move into a ministry time now. So why don't I invite you guys to stand up?